Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Chronicles of Mister. Today's podcast is with Jonah Craggett. I had the honor of working with Jonah at a charter school in New Haven, Connecticut, where we're the only black male teachers in the middle school. We were hired due to a cohort of kiddos who were labeled as, quote-unquote, too much for the other middle school teachers. However, what myself and Mr. Craggett came to see was that, that this group of kiddos just needed to be validated and seen, which is what we did. We were able to liberate the, quote-unquote, too much kids with love, as the great Maya Angelou eloquently put it. In this conversation, Mr. Craig and I talk about validation, authenticity, and unlearning certain practices. This conversation is a good one, and this pod is part one of three. The other two pods will be dropping later this week. It has been dope reading your messages, and we appreciate the feedback. The comments and the five-star reviews have been leading. Thank you so very much. If you're new to the pod, welcome. And if you're returning to the pod, welcome back. As always, your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and your five stars on Spotify help the podcast enormously. So thank you for that. And without further ado, here's the next installment of The Chronicles of Mister. All right, and welcome to another episode of The Chronicles of Mister. I'm Mr. Pierre, and today I am so happy to be joined by an individual who I had the honor of working with. Uh, some time ago, that man is the one and only Jonah Craggett. So, Mr. Craggett, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Um, so, one thing I don't think that we've we've mentioned um, since we've been uh, communicating is that. So, I actually uh, work for Southern Connecticut State University now, and I just got appointed as the assistant director of multicultural affairs. So, um, <laughs> talk about it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> nice. So I've moved. I've moved uh, into creating uh, educational uh, content and programming um, on a higher ed level. So um, I've kind of been able to spread my wings past um, elementary, middle, and high school. And we can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, <laughs> that would be great. I think. On. I think that's a, a fantastic. Sp- place to to start because when we were together we, when we taught we were teaching sixth grade I was teaching math and science and you were teaching what was it ELA and history yeah ELA and social studies excellent excellent so the 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 saga continues so what in what are some of your responsibilities for your this new position that you're in so responsibilities feel like they vary um but essentially on paper what my job is uh is to create programming um, and learning spaces um, centered around multicultural affairs. Um, and we're not just doing that on a surface level of like celebration or acknowledgement, but really um, that uh, in a way that lines up with uh, Southern Connecticut State University's um, DEI values of so diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, the universities uh, announced that it is moving towards becoming a social justice institution. So we're really, I want to have conversations in education uh, and educational spaces that are fulfilling um, and not so much in the sense that like, hey, we're going to take it off a box and say that we talked about this, mm-hmm. um, but in ways that celebrate uh, and that uplift 
um, and that validate. So I'm really uh, focused on creating validating spaces and using those as the deliverables as opposed to, well, what data can we, we gather from this? They learn two names and, and uh, you know, some, some keywords, but um, our, our students, particularly our students of color being validated in these spaces where we're educating them. That sounds so dope. That's, that's what's up. And I, and I, in the conversations that I had with other teachers, that point about validation of being seen of like, Hey, the work that I'm doing matters. Um, it is, is so awesome. So yeah. Um, question. I don't know if I've ever asked this, like, but what has brought you or what brought you to education? Like, why'd you get into it or how'd you get it? It was a complete and total accident. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got my, so I'm, I'm a product of the New Haven public school system, right? So through elementary, middle, and high school, uh, I'm in New Haven. And um, I've been one of the the few students who I was uh, pointed out as being academically inclined, um, which I want to acknowledge is not the same as intelligent or the type of uh, intelligence that I think that we need to be focused on. But because I spoke well and I read, you know, um, at the level I was supposed to be or above, or, you know, my math scores were okay, I was hyper-focused on and I got pushed into college like many uh, black and brown students do um, with no real preparation. And by the time I was a senior and graduating, I had already fulfilled the requirements for an English degree, not because I had this plan of wanting to be a teacher um, or being someone who taught English, but because in my English classes, I got to read and write about things that I enjoyed. <laughs> um, so I had no real plan. So when I did graduate, the only thing that I could, the only places that were taking a second look at my resume were schools. So um, I got an offer to substitute teach at my high school, James Hill House High, and I didn't want to sub because I knew that I was <laughs> that would have been the end for me. As you know, going into I knew my high school, so um, so I denied that, and they said, "Well, would you want to come in as an English instructor?" Because they had um, programs in place for. Um, essentially to keep retention rates up um, for graduating seniors. So this was, were classes where um, in order for them to graduate because they needed the English credit, um, this was their last chance to take an English class. And it was really slow paced and intimate. Um, and the teacher who was doing this, who was teaching this class, who was also my English teacher, was also in the yearbook committee. So she said, Jonah, come in, help me. And you have free reign to do what you want. So I ended up teaching English to these seniors and building connection with them um, in a way that was, oh gosh, it was so, so dope. Um, and that was my first uh, inkling that, hey, this is something that I could do, um, not just because of the fact that uh, you know, they're passing, but because they were like, oh, I didn't know English could be like this. Um, and then having that, that, that really intimate restorative atmosphere when it came to their English courses, um, that was, that felt really good. They had a teach for America teacher who disappeared and I'm not even joking. She just, I guess inner city was too much. So she stopped returning to school's calls and stopped coming one day. Um, so then they put me into that classroom <laughs> um, later and I, I had a similar experience. Um, and then from there, I switched school. So I left Hill House 
and went to high little charter school um, where the rest is history because <laughs> after a few years there, I got to meet you. Um, yeah. And then I left, left uh, your first year. At the end of your first year, I was gone. I'm hearing it over and over and over again of how when you are given the ability to be your authentic self, that is when you are able to be the best teacher. Oh, 100%. The educators 100%. who... The educators who, whether choose to enter the, the field on purpose or like yourself, who are like called into it, brought into it, but are able to be themselves, their authentic selves and do the thing that they love to do, how they love to do it, um, are the teachers who get the best results. Who are able, and, and, and it's true because the kiddos see you being you and they are then given permission to be themselves as well. And when that happens... Yeah, the floodgates are opened and they can just excel. So yeah, yeah that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. The, the, the thing is too, where I think that that might have been why you and I were as successful as we were in the space that we were given. So for the listeners' sake, just to, to fill in some blanks, uh, you and I, we were called in for a very specific purpose at our school where yeah. the sixth grade, uh, the sixth grade units so to two sixth grade classes, A and B, um, were, give, were part of the middle school, so sixth, seventh, and eighth, part of the middle school unit, they were having such a hard time, or rather I'll say this, the teachers were having a hard time. Um, and I'm not even going to say controlling them, right? Because that, I'm not even going to feed to that school to prison pipeline yep. mentality and that yep. language there, but they were having a hard time connecting and educating these. Yeah. So to continue what you were saying, um, these teach the teachers who were in the middle school were having issues um, with these the sixth grade cohort with the A and with the B of yeah like you said it wasn't about control it was just they were not connecting with the kids and consequently the kids didn't feel and I I got there in the middle of the year um, so I didn't know the full fullness of what was happening I got there and when I got there uh, was teaching I believe it was. Uh, is it cohort A was Russia? I forget which cohort that was. Yes. So I had one cohort and you had the other. And yeah, like I came in and I, I I was just like, who are you, kiddos? Like, tell me about yourselves. What are the things that you like? Um, describe like your perfect uh, classroom, how you learn well. Um, when there are disruptions, what does that do? Like just this investigation, because I had about, I want to say like maybe a week or a week and a half, two weeks ish to like, just be a fly on the wall to, to walk with them, to talk with them, go from class to class before um, we began, um, I guess, after the new year, uh, the, the experiment of you will, if you will, of like, Hey, let's just take the sixth grade out and have one homeroom with Mr. Pierre and one homeroom with Mr. Craggett. And yeah, it, it was, it was nice to just be able to like talk with them Um have them do their little beats with their pencils right. <laughs> on the tables, ask questions of like, when kids act out in class, what does that do to you? How does that make you feel? Is that something that you enjoy? And yeah, I want to say 98% of the kids are just like, we had school to learn. I want to learn. Even if, if I'm, if I'm perceived as being like a troublemaker, I want to learn. I want to do well. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of what they frankly said was like, my teachers were boring. Like they don't talk to me as if I'm a human being. It's just like, they're talking at me instead of with me. And I was just like, yeah, I know yeah. what that feels like. 
and they don't talk to kids like they're a learner. Um, yeah, no, talking to kids like they're learners, right? I think getting in touch with the curiosity that everybody has, but that is that is something that I think that we've lost sight in our kids. This idea that kids don't want to learn. No, everybody wants to learn. They but, do. Yeah. You know, kids, we, we have to make them curious about things. And I think that giving ourselves permission in, in the space that we, we occupied to break the rules, right? They became curious because we said, we're not going to do things mm-hmm. in the way that they know, which is you go to class, you walk silently, you sit down, the teacher says something, you do an assignment and then you leave. Like I think about um, when I would do the English class, this is what I'm particularly proud of. And I actually mentioned it in the interview process for my new position was ways in which um, I, I think it's necessary to deconstruct um, what is considered um, successful academia, right? So having kids, and you can see this in either of our classes, having kids situated um, in areas in the classroom that aren't just at the desk, right? So, oh, you remember we had a student um, who, I don't know if we can say names on the podcast, but um, uh, who he just wants to lay down under the desk or Mm -hmm. sit at a window, right? And realizing that I don't lose anything by letting that student do that. I don't lose control. I'm not less professional, right? Um, I don't need fear of the principal walking by and having that sit down because the student is reading, right? Um, I did a reading circle. I remember, oh my gosh, the kids, they, they, they were ready to unionize and strike uh, you know, for as much as they would get at each other, they were one unit when I was like, we're getting in a circle and we're reading out loud, right? Not just read the chapter where I'm disengaged from you learning this text, but we're going to read together as a unit and pause when we need to pause and hear each other. And my one rule was you can read three sentences. Everyone can read three sentences. And it doesn't matter how long it takes because we're going to be patient with each other, right? Charge the other group to be patient with the reader to not judge um if you wanted to read more you could because that's your business Mm -hmm. but if you want if you if you stopped at three you stopped at three and i I didn't ask any more of you right um and to make that commitment and they rally i'm not doing it i'm not reading out loud i refuse to do this um and by the end of the semester they were like fighting like i want to read first i want to be do this and it was great because the the relationship between um, the students and myself and the classroom and the text, it worked in this really great harmony because when we got into our reading circles, when it was time to read, um, so this is, they didn't have to worry about writing or an assignment after the reading. They just got to be present in the text, right? Mm-hmm. So that's establishing um, a relationship with literature in their own minds that I can read for fun and for pleasure without the pressures of an assignment lingering, right? But we, we wonder why our students, you know, oh, why they don't like literature, why aren't kids reading? Because books are seen as assignments to them. So the idea of in this space today, you don't have to worry about a thing, but enjoying a story, that clicked. And then read three sentences. And if you stumble on a word, right, you take your time and no one's judging you. Um, I would do this thing where we would pause frequently because the kids would have questions they're reading Mildred Taylor. And so the book, t- the book took place in 1930. And so everything was like, wait, what's that? What does that mean? So to stop and say, we're going to talk about this and explain it. And sometimes that would take up the crux of the conversation. They were learning while they were working and their work was to enjoy a story. Um, and that made it so that when it was time to have the, the written portion of uh, work, 
they had already had conversations that they could draw back to. Not lessons, not lectures, but conversations that they could draw back to. They could remember, oh, this person said this about this, or this person asked this question, and I remember that answer. Um, and I remember, too, I would make um, the, the students or I would encourage the students rather to be vulnerable with each other, right? If there was a slight, if I say you never make fun of some of the way someone reads, the, the pace, if they, they mess up a word, I, I would shut it down immediately. That's the one thing I would put my foot down on. Like you're not laughing at someone else, right? You're not making yeah. fun of someone else's intelligence. So we had this really awesome um, environment where I would guide the students in conversation on the spot and then in front of their peers, right? If someone said something, I said, did that hurt your feelings? Oh, no, it didn't hurt my feelings. Uh, I think it did. And it's okay if it did. Did it hurt your feelings? Yeah. Tell that person it hurt your feelings. That hurt me. And then for another student to hear someone tell what you did hurt me, there was a part of them that was like, oh, oh shoot, yeah. I, I have that power. I didn't want that. So it, it ended up nurturing uh, the, the, in, and fostering, I think, a deconstruction of, you know, this bravado that oftentimes the white teachers in, in, our, in our lovely uh, schools would perpetuate in these kids, right? I don't like the dog eat dog mentality in, in education. Yeah, it, that, that, I think that was the other thing that I, that particular year with that group of kiddos was wonderful because I had come from, I was leaving a charter school where it like so much control was what teachers were doing it it wasn't they they weren't looking it wasn't engaging it was just i want these kiddos to be compliant when i say x they do x when i say y they do y when i say z they do z and to go to a school um, and to be able to do to be able to mediate to know like i had time to really take to get to know the students to get to know the kiddos to um, hash out and really work through all the other things that kids are going through in conjunction with the lesson was fantastic. And then to know that, hey, what happens in Mr. Pierce's class, you're getting it also in Mr. Craggett's class. It may not look the same, but it's going to feel the same because you're going to know these two Black men care for you, the way they speak to you, the way they, the way they don't allow others to speak to you as well. Um, and then to also, from time to time, code switch and be like, yo, when principal so-and-so walks in, like in my, my words and my diction changes, like, I need you to understand why I'm doing that. This is not Mr. Pierre who's being fake. This is so that you understand because, hey, you may have to do this as well. Yeah. Uh, those, those, those explicit lessons to be able to do that was really, really, um, quite frankly, liberating because I was at a place where for about seven, eight years, like that school to prison pipeline and a lot of the things that were being done were ingrained in me that I had to unlearn. And I'll give props to Mr. Bond as well, who I had conversations with him who helped me and be like, Willie, what do you want? And I was like, I just want kids to learn. He's like, then that, let that be your, your North Star. All the other stuff of like, like you were mentioning, kiddo sitting on the floor or this kiddo who wants to like, sit over there or who works well because he has like the fidget spinner, like mm -hmm. if they're able to do that um, and, and demonstrate their learning, so what? It doesn't have to all look the same. And that was something that, 
that cohort of kids like really helped me see and unlearn like, oh snap, if I just let you be and all I care about is like, are you understanding this math or are you understanding this science? Are you feeling safe to learn? Yeah. Like then, then I don't need to, or I don't even, care. I'm not thinking about, oh, you're sitting in the chair, hands above the desk, folded, blah, blah, all that stuff. That's like, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Um, and there was one kiddo. Um, yeah. I'm not going to say his name where, yeah, Mr. Bond just said to me, cause I was like, Mr. Bond, he's not doing X, Y, Z. And he just frankly was just like, but do you need him to do that to show that he's learning or listening? And I was like, but no. And he's like, then why are you stressing that? And I was just like, I don't know. He's like, I know. Like, you're coming from this place. <laughs> I was there too once. I know exactly what you're doing. And I was like, oh, snap. I got to unlearn and stop just continuing this cycle of like, I need you to be complacent. I need you. Like, you, all the things you were mentioning, walking a silent line, da 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 da. Like, that doesn't, that's not a need. That's just the want that was fed into me. Um, yeah. And then that group of kids and working with you was just like, wow, okay. This, this can be fear. this can be done differently yeah you you brought light in a way that i don't think that you you are acknowledging that you did for them cuz we can still see that i went back last early la late last year to just visit miss kim and i remember there was a just a room full of all the kids i just got to look at them and i was like y'all are all right the kids are all right 